Welcome to VSI, Variation Selection Inheritance, podcast production of the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution in Action. I'm Randall Hayes. Humans are ritual creatures. There's something comforting about saying exactly the same thing at the beginning of every episode. Or in sitting around a pile of burning logs, staring into the embers and telling stories. That was how we closed down the party at the end of the Beacon Congress on Thursday night. Social grooming, the primate behavior people will call it. Until it got too dark to see the mosquitoes, we were more literally grooming one another, at least verbally. Smack your left temple. Complaining about the mosquitoes was just another part of the ritual. Titus Brown, whose house it was, came out to the fire and said, You know, you could come in the house. Nobody did. At least as I recollect. Maybe Art Covert went in. I don't rightly recall. The majority of the Congress was work, mostly networking. This form of professional grooming consists mostly of listening to what the other person is doing until you get a chance to promote your own stuff. If you're lucky, those awkward talking points conversations spark something, and the conversation kind of catches fire and burns with your shared interests. Otherwise, there's just a lot of smoke, and you kind of stumble away from one another, coughing and tearing. I had two specific personal goals at this particular Congress. One, I wanted to find someone who was using evolutionary science to address cancer, because I'm trying to get the cancer researchers in my department interested in evolution in general, and in Beacon in particular. A tumor is basically a tiny ecosystem, after all with many different mutated versions of your own cells competing with one another and with your healthy cells. Tumors evolve drug resistance the same way bacteria evolve antibiotic resistance. In this quest, I failed. There are a lot of people generally interested in how cooperation evolves as an intellectual exercise. But I couldn't find anyone applying those principles to a breakdown in cooperation like cancer, which is a shame because a major focus of this Congress was how to increase the public's understanding of evolution and its relevance to their lives. Cancer would do that. Which brings me to my second specific goal, namely promoting this here show. Selling things is not fun for me. I'd prefer to let the work speak for itself, but that's kind of the rub. If no one hears it, how can it speak for itself? So, many thanks to the people who were helping to spread the good word. Ian Dworkin was far more forceful than I could bring myself to be. I've never listened to this show, but is without a doubt the best goddamn podcast ever. If you're detecting a pattern here, you are not wrong. One way to get on the show is to get yourself a spiffy mad scientist type name, like Covert or Dworkin, or possibly Luthor if you don't fear the copyrights. Personally, I'd advise against Victor Von Doom, although I do like the alliteration. Science writer Robin Smith had much more and better advice for scientists on interacting with the media. Plus, she actually listens to the show. So there you go. Plug back at you. The plane ride from East Lansing to Detroit is only about 13 minutes, wheels up to wheels down. But the flight from Detroit to Greensboro is about an hour. 
long enough for me to listen to a Cory Doctorow novella on a skate pod called Shannon's Law. Shannon Claude is another great name for an alternate universe hero, if you know anything about information theory, and it neatly demonstrates one of the many things I like about Cory Doctorow. He's a master of what I call applied snark. His stylistic flourishes and his pun-filled dialogue are fun, but they always serve the purpose of making the info dump go down a little sweeter. He can take a lesson on databases and turn it into a rumination on the relative merits of two elf sisters. And draw a diagram. He uses pigeons and donkeys to describe two of the most important traits of the internet, transport independence and fault tolerance. He can summarize a good chunk of postmodernist thought into a few lines of complaint from a Borderlands bar owner. Used to be you could have a real, proper, no fooling, bona fide, pointless bar argument around here. A fight over someone's batting average, or how many moons Jupiter has, or what the eight wonders of the world are. Now, he shook a fist at the bookcases and the customers who sat before them. Someone just goes and looks up the answer. Where's the romance in that? I ask you, where's the chance to use rhetoric, force of personality, style, and wit to prove a point in a world where any tight-ass fool can have an answer, a fact, in a second? Cory Doctorow can take a serious philosophical question, like, how does one measure beauty? How is it we can agree on what is beautiful? And turn it, in this story, into a bit of subversive democracy-mongering. It's a neat trick when you can pull it off. Scientists in general are uncomfortable talking about beauty, but evolutionary science actually has some interesting things to say about art. According to a paper I will have to reference on the website, because I can't remember who wrote it, men produce about ten times as much public art as women do, and their production peaks during their early twenties. That suggests a mating competition where artists are advertising their genetic quality through their work. If that's true, then beauty is an emotional way of evaluating how skilled the artist is in comparison to other competing artists. A skilled painter should then get laid more often than an unskilled one, unless the unskilled painter can shift the competition to verbal descriptions of intention and process. And modern art is born. Or, if a writer can convince the audience to evaluate him based on the outrageous coolness of his ideas, not the construction of his sentences, a whole new field of literature can be born. H.P. Lovecraft was a terrible writer, technically, but his vision of the cosmos has influenced the whole field of science fiction. Then along came other writers with other gifts, and now most of science fiction and fantasy is a recycling of older ideas in prettier forms. And the mainstream pop culture world is evaluating those artistic efforts mostly based on how pretty they are. The movie Avatar is a really good example of that. My friends and I called it Dances with Aliens for the simplistic and unoriginal storyline. But damn, it was pretty. The technical expertise that went into creating that world of Pandora and turning Sigourney Weaver into a nine-foot-tall blue cat lady was so impressive that I personally enjoyed the making of the exhibit at the Science Fiction Museum in Seattle 
way more than I enjoyed the movie itself. The only thing missing was a kiosk that would let you make a blue cat alien avatar of yourself. So Hager, take a message. Tell your new artist pal, Kyoko, I fully expect to see said kiosk in version 2.0. And I want royalties. That's all the time we have for this week. Tune in next week for our Back to School episode. VSI is produced by me, Randall Hayes, and Lauren Branch at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University with funding from the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution and Action. Thanks for listening.